morning, everyone. Good morning. Now, if you look in front of you, down and just at the wee legend, the pew in front of you, you'll see that there are blue uh, ESV Bibles. That was uh, an initiative of Bishop Harold before he left. So can I ask you just to get yours out? Because uh, you're going to be doing this from now on. Uh, just get them out and turn to page 786. Page 786, the book of Habakkuk. And we're looking this morning at chapter 3 together. Habakkuk chapter 3, page 786. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet according to Shigenuk. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Taman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light, rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw tents of cushion in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers? or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses on your chariot of salvation. You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and wreathed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place, at the light of your arrows as they sped at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors, who came like a whirlwind, to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. I hear, and my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Amen. May the Lord write his word upon our hearts. Please watch the screens for a moment. 
five churches in Belfast have a dream. Willowfield, CFC, Orangefield, UT Belfast, and Newton Breeder have a dream to see thousands of believers in Belfast unite for 100 days in prayer for a great awakening in our souls, in our city, and in our land. In 2010, Pastor Rick Warren shared that he felt whatever happened in the culture in the next 10 years could impact the nation and the world for the next 100 years. Therefore, as we enter a new decade, we are calling the churches to take 100 days right at the start of 2020 to pray for a great awakening in the next 10 years which will impact our land and our world for the next 100 years. And this is our prayer. Lord, we pray for a great awakening in our souls, our city, and our land. May your people be awakened in prayer for the sake of our nation. We need an we ask you to awaken our souls in confession of sin and repentance by your spirit, through your word, to your mission and call. We pray for an awakening in this great city of Belfast that will experience widespread revival in the name of Christ. Waiting for you. Through an invasion of the Spirit as the church is set on fire and fearless followers stand for Christ. We need an awakening. We pray for an awakening in this great land of Ireland, north and south, east and west, that all peoples, even those we have wrongfully treated as enemies, even those with the hardest of hearts, we know the compassion and grace of Christ. Rise up, rise up, rise up. And all across this land, the lives would experience the salvation and freedom in Christ as the demonic is driven out and satanic strongholds are shattered. Rise up, rise up, oh Lord, we have seen. God, we would ask that you would stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, and in your mercy we pray for a great awakening in our souls, in our city, and our land. Lord, we pray this morning, this morning, Lord, speak into our lives and speak in a way, Lord, where it's just not another sermon, but Lord, where we really hear and make a response that leads to something fresh happening in our own lives and Lord, across the city and in this land. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at this chapter 3 of Habakkuk, 
I don't know if you've ever had moments where it's been like your whole life up to that moment has kind of passed before you. Maybe it's been in a dream or in some other experience that you've had. The nearest thing to bringing that about is to move house and to do what is officially called sorting, okay? Before you move, if you talk to my wife, you've got to sort everything. Sorting for me has looked like this, uh, and Hillary's done most of it okay, but I've done a wee bit. I have almost 2,000 sermons that go back to my days in Kilkeel. And I decided that I wasn't going to move all of these boxes of sermons uh, with me. They're all in A5 envelopes. They're all named, uh, and they're all there. And I decided I wasn't going to move them. I, I started to bend them, and after about 20, I couldn't do it. So they're going to the RCB archives. I rang up, and they were happy to have a collection of sermons to set us alongside somebody of a more liberal uh, tradition so that they can compare the two. Uh, sorting for me looked like the other night taking down a massive box of sympathy cards from when I was widowed and letters and deciding not to move them again uh, but rereading them from 10 past 8 to 10 to 2 in the morning and picking out about a dozen uh, for, 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 for family and for chair. All the books that I've ever read uh, are on shelves and they need to be moved to the office in, in church house. And it's been a little bit like your life passing before you uh, in, a, in, a, in a matter of a week or so. Uh, and there's a little bit of that in this chapter three of Habakkuk that's happening in the life of the prophet. He's looking back, he's recalling what has happened in his own life, but also in the life of the nation of Israel. And it's good to look back in that sort of way from time to time. And as a church, we can look back at people becoming Christians, and we can look back at folks going into ministry, and churches renewed, and buildings restored, and, and stuff like that. We can also look back at some painful times of, of loss and grief, and there's so much that you and I can, can look back at. Not dissimilar, though, to the world in Habakkuk's day, our, 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 our country, our land, is in desperate need, as Mark said a few moments ago, of a real move of, of God. And these are days where the church really needs to rise up to that challenge. It's not only it struck me on New Year's Eve as I was here in the building for, for, for the um, um, time of worship over, over the new year, that actually what we're starting is not just a new year, but a new decade. Kind of hit me in a, in, in a fresh way and that there's an opportunity for us to really make something of that. I don't know if it was a new decade when Habakkuk prayed the prayer that he prayed here in chapter three that went something like this. Revive your work in the midst of the years. Reveal, make known your power, God, in the midst of the years. Remember your mercy, God, in the midst of the years. Three little thoughts this morning from Habakkuk's prayer. 
He prayed, revive your work, God, in the midst of the years. He takes a little bit of time to explore how God had moved in the past. He says in verse 2, your work, O Lord, do I fear. Earlier in chapter 1, he said in verse 5, look among the nations and see and wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. You see, we need to be those who stand in awe and wonder at how God works and at the works of God. And we can look back as a nation to seasons where God did work in power. Think about it. This church building was built in the year 1871, 1872. So somebody decided in 1871 to build this building. That was just after the disestablishment of the Church of Ireland. That was at a period of political upheaval and uncertainty in the land. And yet, there were men and women who had the courage and the vision to actually build this building and pay for it and put it in place in the year 1872. Go back a few years before that in our in our province here, 1859, uh, Shankill Parish Church of Ireland Church in Lurgan, the, preacher, the preacher's book records the attendance at the beginning of the year in and around 250 people. Towards the end of the year, in the months at the end of the year, the attendance is in, a in excess of 1,000 people. They had to knock down the church building that was there and literally build the building that stands there today that large building that seats about a 1,000 people to this very day. And that happened at a period of revival. This one challenges me personally. 1859, Bishop Knox, the Bishop of Down and Connor, along with Presbyterian church leaders and others, led prayer meetings in the city hall and in other places for revival. an awakening, a move of God's Spirit in the past. Can we ask God to do it again? I don't think we should ask Him to repeat exactly what has happened before, but we should and we need to ask God for a move of His Holy Spirit in our day and in our generation, for Him to revive His works again. That's the prayer that Habakkuk prays here, revive your work, O Lord, in the midst of the years. Now, work needs workers. And there's a challenge in that. It's not just about waiting for some bang from heaven to happen. But actually, work needs workers. And that's a challenge for you and I to be involved in working for God, in serving, and maybe volunteering with uh, Pete to do some practical things around the place or or, 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 or John in terms of outreach, or Lawrence in terms of children's work, or Mark and Karen in terms of, of, of life groups, or, or, or visiting, or whatever it happens to be, but workers and work being revived go together. Perhaps for some, it means actually becoming available for full-time ministry, and actually dealing with the challenges around the inconvenience and the personal upheaval and all of the cost that's involved because 
get this, the cost continues for the rest of your years. So you might as well start off the way you're going to continue. Uh, so if you're sensing and struggling uh, with a sense to some sort of full-time ministry, just get over it and do it. Well, I don't quite mean get over it and do it, but just, just do it. Just go for it. Seek God in it. Workers often need to be resourced financially, so there's an opportunity for all of us to be involved in a, in a courageous way and in a fresh way in how we give maybe more than we've been accustomed to giving in the year that lies ahead. And in all of this, we pray, revive your work in the midst of the years. It's a cry asking God to awaken our own souls. I remember the story of Helen Roosevelt, how she told about God challenging her uh, along with the old African uh, chieftain and saying, getting up and drawing a circle in the sand and bringing Helen into the middle of the circle and praying, God, start a revival and start it inside the circle. It begins in my soul and yours and my heart and life and devotional life and who I am as a follower of Jesus and in yours. It begins with a cry for our hearts to be awakened to the Spirit of God and to the, the ways of God and to the Word of God and to the works of God and to the holiness into which God calls us. It begins with us beginning to cry out to God for the church in our nation to be set on fire. O Lord, Habakkuk prays, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. He says, your work, O Lord, do I fear. Linus challenged us a week or two ago about the fear of the Lord and what it means to really fear God. There's a, a psalm, Psalm 111, verse 10, that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever, forever, forever. His praise endures. Revive your work, O Lord. Secondly, the prophet prays, reveal your power. Or if you're in Balamina, your power. Your power. And in these verses, there's a picture of God coming to his people. And God coming to his people is the power of God moving among the people of God. Verses three to seven, God came down from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran, his splendor covered the heavens. The earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand. There he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed at his heels. You can follow it in, 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 in your Bible there. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered, and the everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of cushion in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. He's literally praying, God, come down. God, move in power. 
and, and God does come down. Heaven visits earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is a prayer we can pray. God, come down, come down, and in your power awaken our hearts, awaken our city, awaken our nation. He is the God of power. And out of his power comes forgiveness. He rescues, he, he moves, he saves, he changes life. Verse 3, he's unstoppable. unstoppable. Verse 4, he's beautiful as well as powerful. Verse 5 and 6, he's the God who judges but also washes and cleanses and forgives. Verses 5 and 6, he's the God who changes the very direction of people's lives and therefore of nations and of cities. God has moved historically in power. That move of God in 1859 in terms of revival in our province was a move of power. It was a powerful move of God, but it was also a move of God's power. It was a move of God's power that led to people being saved, to people being healed, to people being delivered and set free. In these verses, uh, the prophet uses the language of the sea to speak of evil being overcome and how God's power transforms and actually conquers and overcomes evil so that lives are changed by the power of God. There's times when you see that in front of your very eyes. Someone becomes a Christian and they actually begin to look 20 years younger. Some of us could do with a touch of that, couldn't we? Uh, but you've seen that. Or they become a follower of Jesus and they're set free from addictions, and you look at photographs before and after, and there's a move of God's power that's been at work. The very streets in a city look different when there's a move of God's power in a city. There are stories of cities in other parts of the world where the very streets became safe, having been places of incredible danger and drug uh, lords on the move and all the rest. Nations, how they feel, how they even smell, are changed by a move of God's power. We read in verses 14 to 16 how evil can be defeated. You pierced with your arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea, the sea depicting evil, with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. I hear and my body trembles and my lips quiver at the sound. Of, at, at, at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Habakkuk is actually drawn personally into this move of God's power. He gets to share in this move of God's power and God's deliverance. Those verses speak of his body even being aware of the presence and power of God. 
when the power of God moves in that sort of way. We serve, we give, we pray, and we need to cry out for the power of God to come down. It's an awesome mystery. It is, in a sense, the real presence of God who comes down among his people. And the prophet prays that prayer, revive your work, reveal your power, and then finally, remember your mercy, your mercy. Our country doesn't deserve the mercy of God. Our city doesn't deserve the mercy of God. We need to acknowledge that. We've broken his laws. We're in the process of passing some awful laws. We actually don't deserve the mercy of God. But isn't it a good thing that God doesn't give me or you what we deserve? But he deals with us out of of mercy. Let's never forget that. Anything that we have, anything that God has done in our lives, we don't deserve any of it, none of it. He deserves judgment, but he gives us mercy. And the prophet here cries out for mercy. And we need to be a church that cries out for the mercy of God. Christians in Belfast, of whatever age, tradition, background, color, whatever, we need to be crying out for the mercy of God. I hear Habakkuk said, and my body trembles. My lips groan at the sound of as rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. He's aware that God is the God who judges individuals, churches, cities, nations. But he cries out for mercy. Friends, friends, please. Can you and I increasingly be alone before God to cry out for his mercy? Can we make that something that we do on Sundays together and something that becomes part of the life of prayer gatherings? Habakkuk, he's real, he's honest before God, though the fig tree should not blossom. Even if there's no fruit in the trees, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, he's going to cry out to God for mercy regardless of what he sees around him or what his circumstances are for him. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Verses 18 and 19. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. 
He makes me tread on my high places. That's the dark areas, the sinful areas. Paul knew it. The church today needs to recover it. That we can actually see a nation change. That we are the hope of the, of the whole earth. The church. Us. Us. Motley. Bunch. Not the politicians. Not one party or another party. Pray for them. God help them. God bless them. God lead them. God guide them. God awaken them. But actually, we need to be praying that for ourselves. Paul said, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. On this verge, the start of a new decade, we have a big God. We can cry out to him. We must, we should, please do cry out to him. Revive your work, O Lord, in the midst of the years. Reveal your power, O Lord, in the midst of the years. Remember your mercy, O Lord, in the midst of the years. Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to seek your face. And give to us, Lord, a desperation. Make us desperate for you to awaken our souls, our city. For your glory and for the sake of those coming after us, as well as our own. In Jesus' name, amen.